Fort Myers, Florida, and without any further ado, I'm going to simply call on him and have him begin his presentation. Martin, welcome. Thank you. I'll give you five, five minutes. Okay. Well, when I saw the theme for this year's ASA conference, uh, I immediately saw an incredible tie-in with Echo's own vision and my personal vision statement, if you will, uh, using science and technology to help the poor. Just a word of explanation uh, as to what that picture is, because it may strike you as peculiar. Uh, what we're wanting to demonstrate here is methods for rooftop gardening. And uh, this is one of our interns showing you that not only can you grow tiny little vegetables in a very shallow bed on a cement slab, you can grow tall things like sunflowers. A lot of surprising things we've learned. A lot of surprising things we've learned at ECHO in general over the years. Uh, someone asked me uh, a day or two ago here at the conference when I mentioned that I uh, was a trained as a biochemist, but switched into agriculture, uh, whether I'd always planned on doing agriculture. Was I always interested in that? In a sense, I was. I grew up on an Appalachian farm, and I loved everything about uh, the farm except the hard work and the uh, near poverty. Uh, when I came home from college, I thought it was really neat that Dad and my brother put on a farm for me, and I could experience it and watch them milk the cows and would even help drive the tractor once a bit. I tell you, those hay fields will motivate you to go to college. Uh, when I was a high school sophomore, I decided I wanted to be a college biochemistry professor. And uh, in fact, that's exactly what happened. But along the route, I became a Christian. And also, when I was in graduate school, had a couple opportunities to visit a... Uh, Third world, two, in two different occasions, two different uh, third world countries. When I saw the poverty as well as the spiritual hunger in those countries, uh, and came back and was working on my very basic research project at Indiana University. Basic research is important, but for me it was no longer a compelling reason to be a scientist. And I began what was going to be a more than a decade odyssey of trying to figure out how I could use my career and training in science and to be involved with the needs of the poor and to tie all of that in with the Great Commission. Echo's vision is to bring glory to God and a blessing to mankind by using science and technology to help the poor. Uh, to bring glory to God isn't just a sort of an obligatory religious word to put into the vision statement. It's an extremely important reason for why we are there. And my amateur theologian definition for bringing glory to God is that, whoops, is to enhance his reputation among the people. And especially we have the scientific community in mind, as well as uh, the many visitors and, and the, so forth that come through ECHO. But we desire by the way that we do science and the way that we apply it that it would take note in the scientific community, many of whom really don't have a very high view of Christians 
And in many cases, they seem to be surprised to see uh, what's going on there. This little girl uh, is obviously from a poor family. And when we talk about the poor, we're, not, we're talking about the extremely poor. One of the things that uh, I've come to realize makes the biggest difference between someone uh, like this little girl's family and my life is that the poor have very few options. The number of options that we have is just mind-boggling. Which airline did I want to take here? Or would I like to take Amtrak? Or uh, which maybe we could drive? And Well, which one of our cars should we drive? If you need to go to a hospital, we can choose between five hospitals. Uh, we have good health insurance that will take care of us while we're there. When it comes to education, all kinds of secular, uh, public-funded uh, elementary schools and high schools. There's also an assortment of Christian schools and who knows how many colleges and universities to choose from and many opportunities for scholarships. This little girl's parents might be facing a situation where one of the biggest decisions that her dad has to make is whether to cut down the mango tree turn it into charcoal and sell it so that he can have the needed operation that the little girl needs, or leave the mango tree so that the end of the dry season every year and before vegetables start producing, uh, they can have an abundance of mangoes to eat. What options they do have often are pretty raunchy. She might have an option to go to school, and she might not. And if there is a school, she, she surely would walk to it. Uh, that could be uh, an hour or two each way, depending on where she's at. If someone gets sick, they, there might or might not be a clinic. If there is a clinic, there might or might not be uh, medical help there, and almost surely they're not going to be a physician. If they need medicine, the clinic might have the medicine, and it might be prescribed correctly and so forth. The options of the poor are so limited and so this is, has become one of the ways that we at ECHO very consciously think about our work is how can we provide more options to help the poor. Now, we, we work with the poor in a different way than most organizations, and that is that we only exist to help other organizations. So uh, there's all kinds of organizations that you hear about and organizations you've never heard of in this country and other countries that are working in missions or in community development and uh, working with the extremely poor. And basically what they are saying is it is so hard to know what to do in the area of agriculture. We're looking for specific detailed options that might uh, give us an opportunity to be more help with the poor. I want to mention a few things that are kind of... Uh, core thoughts that we have at ECHO as we think about our work. First of all, we're thinking, as I mentioned, of providing op the poor with more options. The acronym ECHO stands for Educational Concerns for Hunger Organization. But in many ways, I don't like to be tied in with hunger. Because hunger is, the implication is if you could just solve the problem of hunger you're done. 
But there's so much more to living than just not starving or not being sick. And uh, so we, we look a lot bigger than that. We, one thing that we would like to see is that the smallholder farmers, which are often described as subsistence farmers, would be much more than subsistence and that they could make a greater contribution to their own country's food supply. With the recent uh, food shortages that have been making the news, localized shortages in certain countries, and uh, some of the countries that have been relied on to provide rice, for example, suddenly saying, well, we're going to stop exporting now because we're afraid. Uh, it's more and more important in every country that the agriculture be more productive, and it only makes sense to find ways to use the masses of their population that are involved in agriculture as a very small farmer. One thing you don't hear much about uh, is that we try to involve Christian organizations who are doing development to get involved in adaptive experimentation. In other words, universities will come up with new varieties. I don't expect mission, a missionary to spend a lot of time doing that. But to take things that have worked in one part of the world that sound like they might work here, but experiment with it first. It doesn't take much. I tell people you don't need a Ph.D. and a $100,000 budget and an experiment station to find out if where you work in Brazil, the igusi from West Africa will grow. The igusi has 40% oil or 50% oil, 30% protein in the seed and is a very popular human food in Africa. You don't need all of that training and facilities and budget to find out. Just send Echo an email. We'll send you a free packet of seed. You plant the seed in your garden or someone else's garden, and very quickly you'll know whether igusi grows in your part of Brazil. Then the next question, of course, is do people like it, or can they... Can you come up with adaptations to local recipes so that people will like it? And if they do, you're off and running with a new crop. I would like to see people returning to rural communities because life is so much better there than it is in the slums. So even if there were no hungry or starving people in the world, I would still be doing the same kind of work that I am. There's so much more to life than just not starving. Okay, let's go back to this little girl for a minute. and let, Let's list some of the things that might be uh, ways where you could find options to help her. First of all, we're, start, we're going to start with, is there enough food? Obviously, you can't... Uh, if people are starving or if they're malnourished, that has to be a starting place. And if uh, you or some of your students, if you're a faculty... Uh, members uh, wanted to have a career, something along the line that I've been talking about. How can you uh, use my training in science or my training in technology or engineering to help the poor? One place you could look, obviously, as a starting place, is providing enough food. Uh, nutritional needs have to be met. There's a world of difference between having enough food and having the right nutrition. You Perhaps it's a little bright in here, but you may see the orange tinge to this little girl's hair. That means that she's having a lot of carbohydrates in her diet and very little protein. 
The orange hair doesn't matter, except it may be socially a problem, but it's a signal of the inward biochemical changes in her body. And some of those changes may mean that a disease will come along that children in this country would have survived and she would not. There's all kinds of options you can come up with for careers to help the poor in in relation to medicine. Everything from research-oriented, not for the drug companies, but for the poor. For example, uh, taking uh, rumors that a certain medicine can be, or a certain plant can be used to treat a disease, and finding out the particulars of it, and how much of that plant would you use, and in what way, and do you boil it in water, do you dry it, do you eat the leaves? Um, Does it have more of that active ingredient when there is... uh, when there's a dry period or when there's plenty of rain and so forth. Do research with the idea that no one is ever going to make take advantage of it, but it could be a great benefit to the poor because for them, the results of, re, of your research have to cost nothing or almost nothing or the extremely poor are never going to benefit from it. And there are a surprising number of ways, once you start thinking about it, where research, the results of research can indeed help the poor. The easiest way to help the poor for us, we have found, is to send a seed of a new potential new crop because there's a package ready to go if it does well there. Shelter and clothing. To know God. Uh, A lot of uh, missionaries, development workers, go to one extreme or another. They think knowing God is the only thing that counts and they don't get involved with the enormous human needs or... The opposite, they're so taken up by the norm of the human needs and never get around to the gospel. And then you find some that just do an incredible job of balancing both of those. Education is going to be another need. And just plain disposable income. We tend to, if we're not careful, think, well, we need to help small farmers to grow enough food to eat. Well, we do, but Every farmer I've ever met has a vision bigger than that. They want to grow enough that they can also sell something. On the other side here, I'm going to list some things in terms of the farms then that you might look at. How can you make things more productive? Uh, Drought is a problem in many parts of the world. When we hear from people working in some of the semi-arid countries saying, what can we do? Here's such and such a problem. What we want to say is you shouldn't be trying to farm there. But of course, people are farming there because that's the only place they can farm. So work with uh, more drought-tolerant species. One benefit to the poor may come because uh, some of the leading agricultural institutions are saying because of global warming, we know that the global temperatures are going to be higher and one of the, so we need to develop plants, common existing crops that will handle the higher temperatures and in many cases the likely drought that will come along. Uh, and if they succeed in developing some of those crops, that will exi- help the existing poor who are already working where the temperatures are high and rains are scarce. It could work in terms of stable or improving environment, reforestation, for example, or Um, uh, just uh, an hour before I left Echo to come up here an incredible 
Presbyterian USA missionary in Madagascar uh, was visiting Echo. He's been both introducing uh, non-native trees, but also taking into nurseries and selling or teaching local farmers to sell some of the native trees that people don't even know where to get seed for them. Many people have forgot, practically forgotten about them. So reintroducing natives. A lot of opportunities there. Labor-saving technologies. Uh, some of the Christian colleges that are presented at ASA have talked about the engineering that they've done for the poor. So basically, more options to consider. The poor basically get a, the extremely poor. If you're starting from scratch, you don't you haven't inherited a little piece of land or something like that. You, you're earning a dollar a day. If you're lucky, you have no credit. The only way you're going to be able to get a hold of land is to get land that people with money really aren't competing for. So it's going to be too dry or too rocky like this small farmer's field in the Bahamas. Or you'll have a few... Uh, square yards on a steep side of a mountain. Erosion's a big problem. Basically, the people that missionaries or Peace Corps workers or community development workers work with tend to have one thing in common, and that is they're struggling under some very difficult kind of situation or another. Well, what about that Chinese proverb that we've all heard? If you give a man a fish, you fed him for a day, but if you teach a man to fish, you fed him for a lifetime. Echo has a little bit different version of that one. If you give a man a fish, you fed him for a day. If you teach a man to fish, you would have fed him for a lifetime, except the lake's fished out. Uh, that The original proverb implies it is so simple, just send teachers and teach the ignorant farmers how to grow food. I remember the first time I flew into Haiti on a little MAF airplane, so it wasn't very far over the farmer's fields. It was obviously very dry. And I was thinking, you know, if somebody took my billfold and my passport and said, Martin, you're going to stay here. You have to stay here for five years. And uh, uh, you have, yeah, so you have no money, but here's two acres of land, farm it. Would I be able to survive? And uh, my answer eventually was, yes, I would be able to survive, but the reason is I would get to know some local farmers real quick who would teach me how to do it. At the end of five years, I would probably have helped them in some way because of my education and, and contacts. I would have had uh, uh, a lot of things that they hadn't thought about as options. But it is not just a matter of sending people to teach. Uh, the basic ways that we help are by, as I keep mentioning that word options, suggesting options to help the poor. Everything that we write is either to help people have a perspective on what they're going to find overseas and how to help, or options of things, particular ideas that they might want to try. Uh, we tr seek out solutions to specific problems that we've heard about, like how to keep the baboons or the elephants out of the garden, uh, providing answers to questions that people write to us, guiding workers that are seeking ways to have a greater impact, and suggesting research topics for Christian colleges. That I don't have enough time to talk about now, but I'd be glad to talk to you privately if you are doing an undergraduate research project. Uh, 
uh, talk to me or if you see uh, Dr. Rolf Meerman at Judson College, who was at least here the first day. He may not be here now. He's done an incredible amount of work along that line. The National Academy of Sciences published this chart of the world food, the amount of food eaten in the world by human beings. 95% of the food, they say, comes from these 30 crops. Uh, sometimes you hear about how bad it is to introduce an exotic species. There's a world of difference between exotic and invasive, but uh, except for the 29th one down at the bottom, next to the bottom, sunflower seed, and certain grapes, everything that is on this list is an exotic plant for the United States. Is it really five? Okay. Oh, okay. We have a seed bank which is at the disposal of anyone doing community development work. We, d we can't work with individual farmers because there's so many millions of them. But if uh, you were you or any of the missionaries you know or a Peace Corps worker that you know or yourself if you end up working overseas, uh, we have a climate-controlled seed bank with over 300 varieties and species of useful plants. Many of them are new crops, like those the National Academy of Sciences has featured in several of their books. And some of them are just made potentially better varieties of existing crops. Uh, I don't have time to talk about them, like grain amaranth or wing bean. A lady in uh, Illinois wrote to me a few years ago saying, I'm going to be working in Indonesia translating the Bible with Wycliffe Bible translators way out in the jungle. I'm told you can't grow vegetables in a rainforest, but I'm going to have my family there. What do I do? Well, I was glad to be able to give her the good news, and then there's the bad news. The good news is God made all kinds of things to grow in a rainforest. You just need to pick plants that God made for that kind of a climate. The bad news is you'll have to adjust your taste buds to a different kind of vegetable. The moringa tree is uh, the plant that we've had the biggest success with. I remember hearing as a kid about people were so poor in Africa that they were eating leaves from trees, and I thought those poor people. Now I realize that some of the most nutritious leaves out there, and some often very tasty ones, come from trees. But what I want to mention briefly is uh, the, a technology, not an uh, agricultural thing, you can do with the seeds of this tree. Mash those seeds up, and on the right is some water that we took out of a pond, at Echo. In the middle is some of that pond water that had been run through a, a, a called a bio sand filter that appropriate technologists put together at very little money. But on the left, we put uh, one of those seeds in the water, uh, shook it up for a few minutes, let it stand for um, eight hours or so, decanted it off, and you have water that's perfectly clear. Now, there could still be microbes in there. But the good news is that if you, in a bottle like this, there have been a lot of studies, they call it SODIS, solar disinfection, that's what it stands for, ultraviolet light, at least in the tropics, in a day will kill essentially everything that's in there. But if it's not clear, if it's dark like that, the ultraviolet light doesn't pass through. So the combination of Moringa plus uh, letting it sit in the sun will take care of it. Um, this is uh, a velvet bean is grown 
widely in Central America because it greatly increases the yield of corn. It fixes nitrogen out of the air at an incredible rate. The downside is that 5% of the weight of the seed is DOPA, L-DOPA, which is a drug used to treat Parkinson's disease. Dr. Meerman, that I mentioned, picked up on one of the on this is one of the ideas we had suggested that would be suitable for a college project. Uh, he, analyzed, he learned how to analyze it and then offered that to other people. I was at a Rockefeller conference held especially on this issue of uh, ways to utilize the seeds from velvet bean. Uh, Dr. Meerman was there and many a- uh, Latin American and uh, a few African scientists. Most of those scientists listed him as a co-author because they had been sending him samples. They could do the experiments with the cattle and so forth, but he had the laboratory. It's a very great success story. ECHO has four credit courses now offered through the El Sabo Institute for Environmental Studies. They call us their Everglades campus, I guess. It's a three-week, uh, three three-semester-hour course on uh, sustainable agriculture and missions starts in mid-May. I'd be happy to tell you more about what goes on there, taught by uh, ASA member Dr. Dave New- Unander plus ECHO staff. Uh, we have various guided self-study options. Uh, this summer, every Monday morning at our prayer time on campus, we're introducing new missionaries who are coming through for a day or three days or three weeks Uh, each with their own agenda and their own needs looking for ways to study, and some people who are on their way overseas coming through. Every December, we have an agricultural missions conference. Ron Voss, who will be speaking a little bit, has brought students uh, from Dort College to that for years, so you could get an unbiased opinion from him. Don't know what he'll say, but since he keeps coming, I trust it will be good. And uh, various workshops. If... uh, you are aware of people who are working in agriculture and would like some additional help uh, trying to come up with more options to help the poor, send them our way. Uh, it's a very modest cost. Uh, just some fast pictures of Echo. One of the things we've just published on our web is uh, instructions on how to do rooftop gardening at extremely low cost. You can check that out. I want to get to our web page here. If you're visiting in Fort Myers, we have about 10,000 visitors a year come through for guided tours. Okay, here is our website. We have an incredible amount of technical information there on tropical agriculture. Also, if you're at a decision-making point, either you're retiring or you're a college student or or whatever, uh, my story is uh, on how God led me. I present as a case study and guidance can be found there. Look for uh, uh, in our search engine for how ECHO began its global ministry. And also the Using Science to Help the Poor low-budget research opportunities is on our website, too, which uh, quite a number of potential research topics. Thank you, Dr. Price.